Okay, I am David Paris. I am a COVID survivor. About 2020, when the pandemic really hit New York City, I was at the center of it. I was hearing around the world people were dying, and I wasn't worried. I was 45 or 46. I was relatively healthy, and I thought things would be fine. Then one day I got sick, and then the sickness lasted a week, and then I fell asleep in front of my fridge in the morning, and I woke up barely breathing and I thought to myself I might have a problem. I uh, actually was trying to get back to bed but was too weak and I uh, got phone calls from my family that said you need to go to the hospital. I made my way there and the moment I walked into the hospital I went from barely able to breathing to couldn't breathe at all. Within seconds they put an oxygen tank on me and I realized oh I actually have been breathing in a long time. Didn't know that until I actually felt what oxygen was. Put me in a wheelchair and I was like okay Maybe, maybe this is pretty bad. Uh, I spent the next five days probably hallucinating pretty bad. If you've heard the COVID stories from people in the hospital, the hallucinations were out of control. Uh, I kept having to kick hundreds of people out of my room. I found out later nobody was in my room. I know it's like it was a wild, wild, wild time. And uh, then I remember the moment where they said, okay, we're going to have to put you under. They were intubating people, not knowing. At the time, 20% of the people survived. The last words were my sister telling me, you know, only 20% of people come out of this. And I'm like, ah, that'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I had that kind of attitude because I thought at the time, you know, only the older people die. And then that's when things shifted. In the next day, they went from intubation, like a medical coma, into an ECMO machine. An ECMO machine is what they use when you have heart surgery. So uh, it does the work of your heart and does the work of your lungs and while you're unconscious. Usually they do it for heart surgery, you know, anywhere from 12, 24 hours. I was on it for a month. And that first uh, few days, my heart stopped four times. And I actually remember the moments I was dying. Some people say, how can you remember this? I remember because when I did wake up a month later, the clarity of the moment of facing a spirit. I was in a theater and in the theater was this uh, mythological figure. And they said, sorry, you're dying. And they pointed to the exit sign. To me, I, I thought I was ready to go. I, I was married. I had a good life, a good, good career, excellent friends, amazing experiences. Some people stay alive to like take care of their kids or, you know, to stay with their family. I wasn't that connected to anyone. But when it was time to when you actually face death and you're like, oh, that's it. I just thought the face to face with nothingness is terror just terror panic sit in. And I was like, actually, no, I take back everything I said. I, I refuse to let that go. And I was like, no, I'm not ready to die, please. And then the figure showed me this curvature of a, of a half moon. And in that, just apologize and saying, sorry, you're going, you're done. This is it. And that was what activated something inside of me that I'll never, ever forget. Whether it happened in the moment I was dying or whether it happened afterwards, I, I can't say. But I will never forget saying, no, I refuse to die. There's just, there's no way I'm going to let it go. And the spirit told me, well, okay, we're going to let you try to struggle to live. But if you fight to live, you have to fight more than you've ever had in your life for longer than ever you had in your life. Of course, you're about to die. You'll say, yes, you'll do whatever. And then I spent, I can't say, it's, it seems like years, months, years, something like that, in an open sea, just fighting for watching boats to go by. When you're out there and you want to live, you just do it. And you hear those stories about people who like stay out in the ocean for like a, a day or two. That's what it felt like, except it was like a month. And I fought to survive. And in this world, the 
situation you could see slowly after that first week i got better and better but it wasn't really clear until the third or fourth week um, in intubation that i would live but when i woke up i remember the clear dreams where i didn't want to come back to this world because when you're in that other world you feel so at peace and so connected to something higher you don't this world around is like wait what is this <laughs> and it's strange and it's hard i remember being in a library the spirit said you really want to go back to that world and i did and i did and i woke up and when i woke up they said they every day people would come in crying saying, oh my god i can't believe you lived because so many, this was NYU, this was New York, you know, one in every 200 people died and they were, they had like big trucks of like refrigerated trucks of dead people. And so mine, they consider it semi-miracle. It was interesting. I, I, I felt the other side. And when I came back, it was nice. Everybody was giving me lots of energy, but I also, when you taste a bit of the other side, it's not easy to come back here. And that's, I'd say, even this is now three, over three years, three and a half years, maybe four now. And I can tell you, I still struggle with uh, living in this world. I've always had a panic of dying. I remember the first time I saw Star Wars and that whole planet was obliterated. And it occurred to me, oh my God, that just might be it like this. And from that moment forward, that thought brought panic on me. And I don't know if panic is fear. I guess it is fear. But it's not something that's conscious. It's not like, oh, I'm experiencing fear. It's I will do whatever it takes to live. I don't fear death anymore. I do know that there's a spirit world that exists. And it's 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 a bit strange because I spent my whole life fearing death. And when I woke up, I was like, no, there's there's something else. And I so I don't have that doubt. I didn't grow up religious. But what I did know is when I was in recovery. I started associating my fear of death, that it wasn't death I was fear of because you don't know one way or another. When you wake up from a coma, your whole body atrophies, you can't move. It's really strange. So like you wiggle for the first few weeks and then every month afterwards, you slowly get your body back. And I remember, I remember feeling the panic of falling and my therapist was telling me that that terror you feel about death is actually panic of just your life going. When I realized that the feelings I was having was really not about death. It was it was just about the natural part of the body reacting off of losing itself as opposed to some closure that I was worried about. Once I was able to distinguish those two things, yeah, my fear went away. I don't didn't have fear anymore. In the last three years, I do go back and forth. I studied all the different religions and death and what they thought of it and came to the conclusion there you don't you're not going to know one way or another before my near-death experience i wasn't able to see it that way it just all i experienced was panic and terror but when i was actually it was actually when i was falling and experiencing the same panic and i realized oh it's my physical body or the memories that i'm, I'm fearing of losing and it's not so clear that's going to happen so it, it just became an unnecessary experience one of my biggest triggers is in life is like, I'm always thinking what should happen. And the moment I think of my shoulds in the world, I could tell my brain starts getting rattled in anxiety and I lose myself. And when I breathe and let the shoulds go and articulate the things that I do love, that was the gift. And for me, having a near death experience was incredible gift. Spent my 20s and 30s seeking to be an acrobatic all-star. In my coma, one of my biggest memories changed everything was once I was getting better, I was dancing in all of the biggest conventions in the world. I was an all-star. And I remember being offered something finally to, to satisfy this desire to be an all-star. 
remember the spirit told me you just need to drive to the bottom of the world take this diamond to take it to the top and you'll finally achieve everything you wanted but you have to run some people over on the way and i was like no problem and i immediately got into the car and i drove to the bottom world that took the diamond i took it to the top of the world and i remember it's like one last chance are you sure you want to do this and there wasn't anything that hesitated because my whole life all i wanted was glory all i wanted was that 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 admiration of people looking over me fawning over me and in that moment a spirit took a sword and sliced me in half and at the same time in the other hand showed me an infinite amount of worlds and, and realities to the left and i remember being humbled by the wackiness of oh my god i've been leading my last 25 30 years maybe longer trying to achieve this level of happiness whereas when you see the depth of what the spirit showed me it's absurd it's like why would you do that i remember waking up with clarity from this to say i will never seek that level of experience of life again. Though what I want from life is people. For the last 25 years, I pushed everybody away only if they helped me achieve my dreams to be an acrobatic all-star, which I somewhat achieved, but I still wanted more. It's funny, I got a uh, parade when I came home. People were so happy that uh, I came back and you know, hundreds, of, maybe not, maybe a hundred people or something like that outside my house were so excited to see me. And I got like this different type of love. I didn't have to perform to be loved. It was love for me. And I was able to distinguish finally that my worth as a person and who I am is what I want to live and be cherished by, not by my accomplishments. The last three years have been completely different and I could never live the life I lived, led before. And so for me, near death was a, a, it was a connection to spirit, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me uh, because it, it, it shed the doldrums and my life became very different. I wrote 18 books the last three years. <laughs> this is a COVID story. This one I wrote in bed because people didn't know what it was like in 2020. And I said, I have to get something out immediately. I never left bed. I wrote it from my, from my cell phone and it was an oral history from everybody involved and shared all the dreams I shared with them. I got it illustrated by... This was the spirit that that told me, yeah, you're going to die. And I think it's pretty good. Most of them are curriculum books and they're self-published, so it's easy to write. But it's because I was a social-emotional teacher at the largest middle school in Brooklyn. And I thought to myself, I have all this knowledge. I'm going to write it. And I did that. I wrote everything I wanted to do. And when you have near death, I think everybody will say, you don't go back to the life you lived. You, you push yourself to create the connection between people do the art that you've always wanted to do. For me, it was contribution. Contribution was the most essential thing to do. Now, I do want to do America's Got Talent one more time, but I do it in a different mode. I'm not tied into the happiness, but I am tied into what moves, what what makes me happy, what makes the people around me happy. Life is meant to be connecting and and and, and spread um, spread love and experience love. And that's not the way I lived. It's the way I mostly live now as much as I can. And, uh, but it's not the way I lived. And so during the coma was really reconciling the disharmony inside of my soul that needed to be balanced. When I woke up, I cried probably a hundred times more I ever had in my life. And people, the nurses kept telling me to stop crying. And I had to like hide and cry while not looking at them. And I'd cry for hours every single day for months. And I don't have that anymore, but I remember the grief is still there. It's still there now. Part of the grief, I sometimes think is returning to the world. And then sometimes I think the grief is 
the actual experience of near death. To this day, I struggle when things are stressful or not working or hopeless because I've been in a hopeful world. I've been in place of connection. And then when you live in disconnection and disharmony, it's it's very difficult. It's like, why? It's like, this seems not real. Whereas like that other thing was way better. And there's grief behind that. I can feel things way different now than I did. When you first experienced this, you don't want to live. It's odd. Like you're like, why, why live in this world of fraught? And, and it doesn't make sense to be honest, to live here when you have experienced the other, the other side. And it's not easy to keep going. I constantly get people telling me, thank you for living. Thank you for staying. But it's not easy because this is a tough world. And when you know the other side, you're like, this, this, this is crazy what we're doing.